greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he did. Okay, hold on, cue music. Good evening, everyone. This is John Vanka. It is a cloudy, cold, and just post-rainy day on Milkwell's Beach. This episode seeks to answer the question, can I make money with my solar power system? I hope you enjoy the episode, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Oh. Put, your, put your head between your knees. <laughs> Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sattler, welcome. Look, I don't want to waste your time. You've got things to do. A 5k, some shopping, perhaps two more hours of doom scrolling. If you're here to find out if you can make money by generating electricity and selling it back to ESCOM, here's the short version from Shane Eckar of Maxicoms. It's very difficult on a residential house to get a return on that type of investment. So what the customers that are doing grid feed back into the grid with these systems, they are after, so some of their stuff is still on the grid in terms of like geezers or if they haven't done a solar conversion or that type of stuff. Um, Or maybe they've got a borehole or they've got something along those lines that we've left on the grid or the stove or, or whatever the case may be. So they are still using ESCOM or the city of Cape Town to some extent. Then that grid feedback then comes in as a credit against that account for what, he, what they are still using in terms of, of uh, ESCOM grid. So it's just to get a little bit back to push against that ESCOM bill to reduce the bill slightly. But, you know, it's not a solar plant where they're going to be earning huge amounts of money off it. So if you're a homeowner, that's all you really need to know. You can go on to the next episode now or back to Joe Rogan. If you're a business owner, or if you want to dive a little deeper into the rabbit hole, then here we go. Firstly, let's add up the costs of installing solar power. For most people, that's around 150,000 Rand. Now, let's add on the costs of what it takes to put power back into the grid. Here's Matthew Cruz from Home Energy. There is a smart meter that's needed in order to count the number of kilowatt hours that are being put back onto the grid and during what time. Uh, that at the moment cost 11,000 Rand. Yeah, that, that's the meter that you would have heard is not making sense for residential at the moment. That's countrywide, but Cape Town does have plans to change that. Chatting with a city representative yesterday, someone that's working at Cape Town, he was saying that they're looking at getting in lower cost smart meters to assist with this proof of concept rollouts in Cape Town, where the cost of a meter will be about 2,500 Rand. That's the, that's the targeted costs of installed. Okay, so cost of installation plus the 11,000 Rand smart meter, any other fees? And fortunately in Cape Town, you don't need to pay anything else apart from just installation costs uh, because they waived any kind of subscription fee or or, um, administration fee as well. Uh, The the fee differs across the country, but in Cape Town it's zero. Um, So we're really hoping that it does go well in Cape Town and that the, the sense of it is then shown for the rest of the country to implement as well. Sure. Ballpark figure, what does it cost in Gauteng for the subscription? 350-ish, I heard? Yeah, so it's, I've heard it's around there as well. I'm not I'm not too au fait with the exact exact figures. Uh, the, the figure I heard was 270 rand a month um, to, to um, as a monthly fee to be one of those users. Um, but that, that number could have changed recently as well. Um, and they, they will charge you the 11,000 rand um, for the smart meter if you're doing it in Joburg. 
After a fair amount of googling, I just couldn't find these fees for the rest of the country, for Gauteng or anywhere other than Cape Town. So I just kind of stopped looking. To be honest, the city of Cape Town offers the best deal and it's still not really financially viable. So for the rest of the country, it's even worse. Remember at this point, you can't actually get paid cash for putting energy into the grid, which brings us to net metering. Here's another term to define, net metering. Net metering is a billing mechanism that credits you for the excess energy that you put back into the grid. With net metering, the energy generated by the PV system is first used to power the home of the business and excess energy is exported to the grid. That energy is credited to your account and can be used to offset future electricity bills, but you don't actually get paid cash for it. However, that's going to change in Cape Town soon. Let's go back to Matthew Cruz. There's still vagueness in terms of how exactly going to roll out in, in Cape Town. The reason why I say that is only from June can the, can businesses start getting paid or putting power back onto the grid cash. Around about December is when residential owners will be able to do it. I spoke to Kadri Nasip, the executive director for energy in the city of Cape Town, about net metering and getting paid for putting energy back into the grid. In the past, we have insisted that customers remain net customers, so they have to consume um, as much power from the grid as they sell back to us. We've just now changed the rules to allow them to become net generators. So starting with the commercial sector, those customers will now be able to feed back power into the grid and beyond what they consume. So in fact, they should be able to, uh, at the end of the day, receive a, a refund, uh, which is a credit on their account, and that will hopefully offset uh, part of their municipal account. Any extra credit that's left could then be compensated for in the, co in the course of uh, reconciling the account and that'll be in the form of a refund. Here's where things get complicated. Cape Town is different to the rest of the country because they add a sweetener to the deal, giving you a better rate. They also don't charge you a subscription fee to belong to the elite club of power generators. Here's Kadri Nasip talking about the specifics of Cape Town's offering. If you're not from Cape Town, feel free to skip ahead. So the city has introduced a feed-in tariff. Okay, let's define feed-in tariff. A feed-in tariff is a fixed rate per kilowatt hour that electricity distributors pay to people who generate renewable energy and feed it back into the grid. So for every kilowatt hour you put back into the grid, you get a certain amount of money. The purpose of feed-in tariffs is to incentivize the adoption of renewable energy technologies. Let's get back to our cost-benefit equation here. Let's have a look at the rates that the municipalities are going to give you. It's 78 cents per kilowatt hour. And over and above that uh, feed-in tariff, there's an incentive. And the incentive is about 25 cents per kilowatt hour. And the 25 cents is not intended to be a long-term instrument. It's intended to be a short-term incentive to encourage participants to join the program. So we envisage that over time, the incentive will be replaced uh, ultimately. But the feed-in tariff is still competitive and it uh, correlates closely with the avoided cost, which in this case is the, the amount that's paid to ESCOM uh, for power. In fact, the amount paid to ESCOM over the same period is substantially lower than the feed-in tariff, which is made available to the participants in the program. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare. 
So if you have an absurd number of panels or a huge roof or you're some kind of outlier in the residential space, it might make it worth it for you. But my belief is that it's still not worth it for someone with a residential property. Now, if you are a business or you do have a particularly large piece of land to work with, then the story is slightly different. I chatted to Kadri about that situation. Some of the best type of businesses that would benefit from the small scale investigation program would be warehouses. They usually have large rooftop space and generally don't have very high energy intensity levels in terms of their operations. Uh, generally, if it's only there for storing, packing of goods, uh, you'd find that the, the roof space um, it would be ideal for their operations and there should be a surplus that's generated in the process. Over and above that, um, universities um, as well as schools um, would certainly also benefit because of the hours that they operate. And uh, certainly we've now seen even hospitals that, that are quite keen to look at their solar options simply because of the high cost of diesel for their generators. So really there's an impact for most businesses. Uh, as I said, it will probably be the ones that have the largest rooftop as well as the operating hours that are you know, coincident with sunlight hours that would probably benefit the most from that. So you can expect that a lot of uh, commercial office parks um, as well as malls, um, they would probably see a lot of value in this particular exercise as well. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening and good So there you have it. A short answer to a relatively easy to explain topic. Matthew Cruz from Home Energy sums it up perfectly in just a few words. What still is the best thing to do is to take care of 80 to 90% of your energy needs as a household with your solar system and not to overspec your system in an attempt to try and get some kind of money back. That is it for episode four. Can I make a profit selling energy back into the grid? I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope it was informative and educational in some way. Uh, please check out the other episodes. You go to pingproductions.net to find out more about my company, Ping. I've been your host, Jonathan Vanka. Thank you for joining me. Good night. Huge thanks to my guests, Shane Akar, Kadri Nasip, and Matthew Cruz. Please check out the links in the show notes for their details and links. Look, if you're just going to hang around and keep listening to this episode, then you might as well listen to the first one or two minutes of an episode from my other show, South African Expats, which you can find on iTunes and Spotify and all that. Here's a quick clip to whet your appetite. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the South African Expats podcast. This is Jonathan Vanka. Today, we are talking to Paul Goodwill, who is one of the admins of a Facebook group called Leaving South Africa. Paul himself and his family have lived, uh, obviously, in South Africa, then Canada, the UK, and Australia, although not necessarily in that order. Right now, he lives in regional Australia, close to Perth. But today, we're going to be talking to Paul because... As an admin of Leaving South Africa, he's got quite a wide view on, on immigration, on the issues that people deal with, why they leave and, and where they should go. He's, we'll chat a little bit about Ottawa, Calgary, Perth, or at least uh, regional Australia. And um, I think we'll benefit from Paul's uh, wide experience of having moved around quite a bit in his lifetime and some very specific information about how to move to countries that are difficult to move to, like Canada and Australia. Um, we'll talk about trade certifications you know, those little golden tickets that can get you into a country where you can be a very highly qualified professional in a lot of fields, but it might help you better if you can fix a car or fix a diesel engine. So, uh, Paul, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time, man. No, no worries, buddy. It's a pleasure. Why don't you summarize the journey that you've had since you left South Africa? I think it was in 2000. 
That was a clip from South African Expats. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, and any other respectable podcast platform.